Well, good morning, church. Uh, for those of you who haven't had the gift uh, of meeting yet, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just uh, really excited about, um, about the opportunity to worship with you, particularly on this day in this season where there is uh, uh, such heaviness. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a heavy week. And uh, before we dig into the Word, before we read the Word, I, I want to pause for just a moment and, uh, and give a, a little bit of a precursor. Um, uh, there has been so much that's gone on from Monday through last night, and the last few nights in particular have been, have been quite heavy, uh, nights where I've stayed up uh, watching as uh, the news continued to unfold, and uh, nights where I've been uh, on my knees praying uh, over uh, our, our nation, our communities, and for healing. And so uh, while there is much to say on the protests that have taken place uh, and on what has uh, followed the protest with, uh, with buildings on fire, with rioting and looting, um, I'm going to spend most of our time today uh, as we reflect on God's word uh, on Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to spend most of our time at the beginning of the week uh, because the spirit of the living God has given us a word through the scriptures for this day specifically pertaining to, uh, to, to the events uh, that took place earlier in the week uh, in Minnesota with George Floyd. And so I'm going to, to lean in there. Uh, there's probably another Sunday, a whole nother sermon on, uh, on protest, on unrest, and on riots, and, uh, but that's for another day and another time. Will you all bear with me in that way? Uh, so we're going to dig in, beginning uh, with Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to follow that up, and, uh, and here today is Pentecost Sunday, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the people of God. And uh, so uh, I'm thankful for, uh, for friends at Asbury Theological Seminary that uh, have recorded a video. Uh, some of their students joined together and put together a video of the reading of Acts chapter 2. And so we're going to begin in Hosea 14, and then we'll watch a video of the reading of Acts chapter uh, to, if you'll turn, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me there to Hosea. If not, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. And then God responds in this way. I will hear their, heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send, his, send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like, the, like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. 
Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. This is God's word for us. And now turning to Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the whole house where they were staying. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia. Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Parthia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Syria. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Christians and Arabs. Dian Bukbunin, Ikobntemo Eterode Akwabasi. Les oímos hablar en nuestras lenguas las maravillas de Dios. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They were all astounded and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Almighty God, we come before you full. So I ask, oh God, that you would that you would empty us. And in turn, fill us with comfort and conviction. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I pray, O oh God, by, by good measure, you would open our hands. That we would bear grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever I was uh, a new driver, I was not the best driver. Uh, if I'm quite honest, I was, uh, I was, I was reckless. Uh, I got myself uh, in, in, in a number of situations and it became a game almost to me, a, a game where I would count 
uh, and, and keep track of and, and see how I could get around. You see, I, I, I rolled stop signs, I sped, I wove in and out of traffic. Uh, I found myself uh, over and over again getting pulled over for being dumb. Uh, and for that matter, I'm, I'm probably still to this day a bit reckless and uh, need to do better. However, I look back on those days and, and I, I want to, to attest to the fact I was pulled over 21 times before I ever got my first ticket. And it was like a game. It was like, uh, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. I'm taking my sister to vacation Bible school. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to use the restroom. I mean, I made up every excuse under the sun. And it was a game for me to try to figure out how many times I could get out of a ticket. And I, I would see the flashing night lights and know that the game was beginning again. But the reality is, if I was black... I would not have gotten away with warnings 21 times. It's unlikely I would have gotten away with warnings one or two times. When I was in ninth grade, my dad uh, and I lived in Missouri City, and I went to Elkins High School, uh, and uh, we had just moved there, made some friends, uh, uh, asked my dad, hey dad, can I, can I invite Justin to come over to hang out after school? And so, uh, you know, he was like, what are y'all going to do? Because I was a latchkey kid, you know, no parents home, wanted to be sure that we weren't going to, uh, I don't know, do drugs or anything. And so I said, oh, no, it's going to be all good. We're going we're gonna to pull up the basketball goal next to the trampoline, and we're, gonna, and we're going to play this game that we had created where we, like, dropped the goal down and basically played wrestle basketball. It was really safe. No one ever got hurt. And uh, it, was, it was wise. Um, and... Uh, and so my dad said, oh yeah, just don't die, and if you die, don't tell your mom. So that was kind of how, how that went. So Justin came over, we played, invited a couple of friends from the neighborhood over, and there we went in the backyard, and we, and we, had, uh, we had a good time. My, my friends in the neighborhood went home, Justin and I went inside, uh, we got some water, we got some ice for all of our bruises, because, you know, trampoline rims are made of metal, and uh, whenever you tackle someone on metal, you get bruises or worse. And so um, we're icing down, and we're getting, uh, we're getting some water, and then my dad turns the corner uh, as he walks in the house and there's a moment there it was a few moments actually where where he he stopped in his tracks he was stunned and uh, I saw the look on his face and then as as is appropriate as is my dad's character he he kind of moved past that moment, he reached out his hand, met Justin, uh, introduced uh, himself, uh, said welcome, offered hospitality and grace and all the like, and, and uh, th- that night, you know, Justin, you know, was, was, was gone, and I was in my bedroom with my dad, and my dad and I were sitting down uh, before evening prayers, and, uh, and he, he said, Jason, I'm sorry. I said, for what, Dad? He said, he said I know you saw, I said, uh, I know what you're talking about now. I, I did see 
He said, I'm sorry, I was caught off guard, I was shocked, and, and um, I didn't realize that Justin was black. And it was, it was, it was as though he, he needed to, to, to confess because, you know, he grew up in a different day, in a different age. He grew up in Port Acres, Texas, in the Golden Triangle where segregation and racial divisions were, 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 were clashing in, in a way that I didn't know in Missouri City, Texas, or at least I didn't think I knew in Missouri City, Texas. And so, uh, so he, he apologized and said, I, 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 it, it came up within me, the shock uh, was there, I, I didn't know, and, and I'm sorry, and I'll try to be better, but I can't promise that it will be better because there, there's something just kind of visceral in there. I said, Dad, don't worry. A generation from now when, when more of older racist generations are gone and, and my generation uh, comes into uh, age, and comes of age, uh, don't worry, we'll take care of it because we're colorblind. And uh, uh, I've used that term uh, in my foolish, ignorant, uh, older years as well. Even in the last few years, I, I would uh, have a conversation about race with someone, and I would, I would say, oh, I'm colorblind, and they would look kind of perplexed, and I would proceed on with my kind of bona fides, right, my justifications. My best friend is black, my brother-in-law is Mexican, and uh, my niece and nephew are, are, are half Mexican, and, 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 and you would see this kind of look on their face like, uh, what does that matter? And in my foolish arrogance, I would proceed on in this colorblind sort of scenario, and I would say, uh, oh, well, my first girlfriend was black, and my first kiss was with uh, a black girl, and, and he, they would chuckle, we would chuckle, and we would move on, and never address the fact that, that even the statement in and of itself that I would be colorblind is foolish, presumptive, and sinful. Because it's a lie. I'm, I'm not colorblind. And, and actually, if we're honest, none of us are colorblind. Of any race or background. Color is very present, very real. You could look at, at, at children of a very young age. You could look at, at, at infants and toddlers. They see color. They see differences. The, the, the difference between them and us is we make judgments about people's character based on what we see on the outside, but they, they don't make judgments on character. They do, however, see the differences. I heard a wise pastor recently say that the goal that we should have as the people of God is not to be color colorblind because that is not how we are created. We are created differently. What we need to be doing as the people of God is we need to be celebrating the differences. And if we would learn how to celebrate our differences, to look upon one another and see brothers and sisters and, and, and rejoice in that, then maybe, just maybe, we could love as Jesus has taught us to love and called us to love. We are not colorblind. And that's okay. But racism is not okay. Racism 
is sin. And I sit here today and I reflect on the fact that I haven't talked about the sin of racism since Philandro Castillo was murdered. Why does it take a public a public display of this sin for me to speak to this sin. I mean, uh, you've heard me over the years. Actually, almost, almost every month, there'll be some moment in a sermon where I'll just kind of rattle through a list of sin, anger, lust, addiction, uh, and I'll just kind of just boom, 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 and, and they'll just roll off the tongue. And I don't say racism. Why? I repent of that. On uh, Tuesday, I saw a short clip of a video of a black man on his belly with the knee of a white officer in his neck. And I began to hear uh, of what this was. This was George Floyd. Uh, and I heard that he had died, and uh, uh, I was kind of busy in my own world, uh, doing my own thing, and uh, thought I would deal with that pain and that image later. And so then on Wednesday, I watched the whole video and wept. But I didn't yet have the courage. I watched the video on mute. So then later, the courage built up within me, even though what I had already seen was nauseating and tore a piece of my soul. I, I watched with the sound on. If you haven't done that, if you haven't watched the video, if you haven't watched the video with the sound on, please do, because what you see is murder. What you see is someone's life leaving them by another man's actions. And it's not cinema, and it's not Vin Diesel and Bruce Willis, and it's not, it's not some gr- uh, uh, grand fight where like, they hit each other with chains and bricks and miraculously like, jump back up into the fight. It is one man in handcuffs and submission with his belly on the ground and, his, and a knee in his neck having the, the air of life taken from him. Murder. You should watch it if you haven't. Because I think we all need to see that. So that we could feel the weight and the pain of our brokenness. Not so that we could look at the weight and pain of someone else's brokenness, but so that we could reflect on our own in the midst of His. And we can acknowledge racism as sin and our racism as sin. There's a word for us today from Hosea. Uh, it, it, it brings to bear for us uh, what this return is to look like. 
Well, what people of God are to do whenever they're confronted with the reality of their sin, what, what, what they are to, uh, to say and how they are to say it. And, and it's, it starts with the call from God through the prophet. You see, this entire prophetic work, the 13 chapters that precede chapter 14, uh, are this, uh, this beautiful image of, of a husband and a wife and, and this adultery that takes place as one is waiting and faithful and, and persevering in relationship and the other is is seeking after other things over and over again and finding their their satisfaction away from the marriage. And so this is a call to return, and it's the final chapter, so it's the final word. It's a call for us as well today as we're confronted with our sin. It says, return to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Your sins have been your downfall. And that can be in and of itself enough for us to feel paralyzed or or unable to to actually move forward. How can we engage? How can we we even converse with the Lord God Almighty when we are yet so broken and empty? And and the the word of the Lord comes to Hosea and gives us something, something to do. And it's quite simple. And I think it's important that it's simple because God wants us to, to follow through. It says, take words with you as you return to the Lord. You don't, have to, you don't have to take any grand sacrifice or any grand offering. Here's what you take. You take your heart portrayed in words. Take words with you as you return. And here's what those words are. Forgive us our sins and offer your grace to us. Verse 2, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously. That's the call for us as we return to speak that word to the Lord, to seek God's forgiveness and know that His goodness and His grace are waiting, ready, able to sustain, supply, forgive. They are enough. And there's, a, there, there's beauty. I want you, uh, one of your tasks, go home, read Hosea chapter 14 again, begin in verse 4 and follow through verse 7. And, and it paints this beautiful picture of what God does in response to our return seeking forgiveness. And, and it encounters us with all of our senses. Uh, it, it, it offers sight and smell and, and even taste. And, and you hear what this return is like as, as there are olive trees and there, there, there are... Uh, There's the wine of Lebanon that that we will be as famed as that. And so all of this comes to pass. Read it again and allow the the senses to be experienced so we can together understand God's grace in that. But rather than see the image of return in Hosea 14, 4 through 7, we're going to turn now to Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. You see, we have the 
the, the, the people of God gathered now obediently. Luke Acts describes that, that Jesus ha, had resurrected from the dead, appeared to the disciples, and then ascended into heaven with a commission in Acts 1-7, go and be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then following that, they are called to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And so they, in their waiting, are gathered together in a room. And, and, and again, our senses are to, to, to feel this. It's a rushing wind that overwhelms the people of God. And, and it, it comes upon them like fire. And I want you to think about fire. Not just its warmth and its beauty, but its power and its might. I also want you to think about how that fire is now not only within you, but it's, over, it's overrunning the room. It says that the disciples received the Holy Spirit in a room, but then in Jerusalem there were all of these people from all over the world, and all of those people uh, were experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit as well. All of these people from different languages, from different lands, who looked different and could be identified by their differences, were gathered and received the Holy Spirit. I want you to get a picture of a, a map in your head. I want you to imagine for yourself uh, the, the Mediterranean Sea, and I want you to see the, the northern coast of Africa. I want you to see the Middle East, and I want you to see the southern coast of Europe, all in a picture. And that is the picture uh, of the Holy Spirit's power, how it transcends all differences. I want you to hear again the list and the list, you might not be familiar with, with some of these regions, but if you have that map in your mind, you could picture just lights coming up in different sections of the map, acknowledging that all of these different people receive the Holy Spirit on that day. Verse 8, it says, Then how is it that each of us hear them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. It didn't say the Spirit of God came and all of a sudden they weren't different anymore. It didn't say the Spirit of God came and they were no longer from Egypt or from Rome or Arab. I want you to hear it this way. The Spirit of God came, and it came to, to folks in Nigeria and Ethiopia. It came to folks in Colombia and Venezuela. It came to folks in Russia and Romania. It came to folks in Norway and in the UK. It came to Canadians and Americans. The Spirit of God came, and I want you to imagine all of those differences that you could place on all of those regions, and that's the kind of thing that the Spirit of God did and does. It comes in waves. It rushes like wind. It overwhelms like fire. And there it, 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 it transforms the reality so that the differences that are real can be celebrated and understood. And there is unity through the Spirit. Not a discard or a dismissal of differences, but unity amongst 
the differences. Um, for those of you who are joining us online, or for some of you who are here with us in person that don't know me or don't know my family very well, uh, my wife and I have a, a 15-year-old daughter, Addie, a 14-year-old son, Aiden, and uh, we also have a seven-year-old uh, son, Samuel. And uh, Sam is adopted, and uh, he is uh, our light and joy. He brings energy to every crowd that he comes into, uh, and uh, he's black. So this week's been particularly hard. This year's been hard. After Ahmaud Aubrey was killed, we walked and we talked and I had conversations with my son that no man should ever have to have. I talked to him about the community we live in, that we live in a predominantly white community a third Latino, and there are very few African-Americans in this community. You know, Sam is, he's a literal person. Uh, When he talks about skin color, uh, he talks about it sometimes in ice cream flavors. He'll say that that you're vanilla and he's, he's, he's chocolate. But most commonly, he'll talk about his, his race by saying he's brown. Because literally, he's not black. But over these weeks, I've had to talk to my son about the fact that in America and in this community, he's black. Because I had to begin a long journey that will be a lifetime, I'm certain, of attempting to articulate to my son that I can't grant him my white privilege. That whenever I walk through this community, no one wonders if I belong. But the day might come when my son walks through this community and someone might wonder if he belongs. My son belongs. Because he's the child of the Almighty God. And he sees differences. He sees differences beautifully. Uh, and, and still as a seven-year-old, he'll, he'll sit by me as we watch a movie or TV, and, and he'll look at my arm, and, and, and I am not black. I am pasty white, and I have freckles. And he likes to, 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 to rub my arm, tell me that I'm tortilla. He also calls me tortilla sometimes, and he'll point out my freckles. Uh, and, uh, and, and he loves the freckles. He thinks they're, they're hilarious. You know what else he loves? He loves girls. Uh, he, 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 uh, he, he's a ladies' man in, 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 in wild fashion. He'll uh, find the, the, the nearest teenage girl that is a friend of my son or my daughter's, and, and he'll give them big hugs. But what he really loves is he loves to rub their, their hair. 
and he'll sit and he'll play with their hair. And, and at seven years old, he knows how to braid white girl hair. I don't know how. I don't know how to braid white girl hair. My son at seven knows how to braid white girl hair. But I love that he sees the differences and celebrates them. But here's the, here's the, I want him to know that I celebrate his differences as well. So last night when I'm twisting his dreadlocks, I want him to know how much I love him, everything about him. I love his brownness and I love his dreadlocks and I don't want him to think that those things are to be mourned or make him less because they make him more because they make him him. Um, for those of you at home, Sam just realized I was talking about him, and he just said, he's talking about me. And I heard it. I love family worship. We might do this forever. We are different. But our differences are to be celebrated. And until we learn how to do that, we'll be racist. And I don't want to be racist. And I don't want you to be racist. Because God's love does not no racial divides. God's love transcends and unites us even when and as we are different. So I pray for Pentecost. Today is Pentecost, but we need, as a nation, as a community, as a world, we need Pentecost. We need a fresh movement of the Holy Spirit to come. We need that fire to drop and dwell with each and every one of us, power and warmth. We need to know that, that, that it doesn't get contained in a room, that it can't be contained to a people, that it's not just about Galileans or or Anglos, but this whole thing about the Holy Spirit is transcending every divide and it comes upon the entire world and it's here for you. The Holy Spirit makes us one and we are baptized into a glorious and diverse and different family. And God is able to help us love each other even in the midst of our brokenness. Return to the Lord, brothers and sisters. Return with a word. Forgive us, we pray, O oh God. Be gracious to us. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and bind us together one with another that we would know what it means to be united in the midst of our differences. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit
we pray that it would, it would come not just in this room, not just upon these that gather in this room or online, not just, not just in this community or in this city or in this nation. We don't just pray for it to come in this nation, Lord. We pray for your Holy Spirit to bind this world together, that we as a world would be a community connected in Christ. Not just words not just vision, but reality. Holy Spirit, come. Restore this land, restore this people. Forgive us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.